Matthew chapter 9. We left off last week um, with verse 13. Let's start in verse 14. Matthew 9, 14. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your children, your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into an old wineskin. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wine skins, so both are preserved. You kind of have a, a continuation here, it seems, of, of what's been going on. It says then, just, just following this, this most uh, recent uh, account, that being of, of Jesus passing uh, by Matthew's tax booth and calling him to, to follow me. A follow in the sense of, of continuous action. It wasn't just follow me for today, but follow me for the rest of your life. And, and Matthew followed Jesus it became one of the 12 that we'll, we'll, we'll get to that list of the 12 here in a, in a couple of weeks. And, and in, in, in gratitude and celebration, Matthew threw this great feast and he invited his, his friends. Now, who are the friends of tax collectors but other tax collectors? Nobody wants to hang out with, with tax collectors, these, these traitors to the, to the Jewish nation, these... Uh, despised group of people that were sellouts and collected money from Rome. And while Jesus was at the, this, this feast, says the Pharisees saw it and, and, they, and they began to ask his disciples, meaning Jesus' disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Just seems like, like very soon after that, the disciples of John come to him and, and they ask him another question. As a matter of fact, if you, if you were counting, this is the third objection in chapter 9 that somebody sees what, what Jesus is doing or hears and, and they object to it. What was the first one? Remember that, that he's, he's gone back to compare to Capernaum from, from the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, and, and he, was, he was teaching. Uh, people were bringing him the sick, and while he's in, in a house, maybe Peter's own house, that these, these four men bring this, this paralytic, this, this crippled man, a paralyzed man, and they, they cut a hole in the roof and they let him down. And, and Jesus says, seeing, seeing their, their faith, that he said, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. What happened? The, the Pharisees, the scribes heard that and say, this is blasphemy, that, that, that they, they objected. In that, in that case, it seemed like they were talking amongst themselves, objecting to what Jesus had said, because who except God can forgive sin? 
And Jesus says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, that nobody can visually prove, or rise, take up your bed and walk. And the paralyzed man gets up, takes up his bed and walks. There's, there's no atrophy in his, in his limbs, not only his legs, but he picked up his own, this, this bed they carried him in. He, he's restored to, to health, maybe even given health that he hasn't had in years. The, the second occasion of, of someone objecting to Jesus was uh, after Matthew is, is saved and follows Jesus and they have this feast that the Pharisees see this and they go to Jesus' disciples and they say, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, the disciples of John, it's kind of a, a, a different uh, twist or maybe that John the Baptist was an ally of Jesus, the forerunner of the Christ, of the Messiah. So it's not quite the intensity or, or, or the rebuke. And we see that Jesus really does not rebuke them in, in his answer, but they come to, uh, to, to Jesus and say, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't. So, so notice the, the reversals or, or just the opposites that, that are happening. The, 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 the Pharisees back in, in, in the account of Matthew throwing the great feast and party after, after his decision to follow Christ, they're, they're complaining about Jesus, but they go to the disciples. Here, the disciples of John are complaining about Jesus' disciples. Why don't they fast? But they go to Jesus. So if you want to stir up trouble, don't go to the person that you have the problem with. Go to somebody else. I mean, it's just human nature. I don't want to confront him. I'll, just, I'll go to somebody else and I'll, we'll, we'll kind of do it in, in a backdoor sense. We never do that these days, right? We, we always go to the person. So, so they're, they're, they're stirring up, uh, up trouble, but, but they're not going directly to the, 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 the ones that they have a problem with. Now, this is kind of an odd uh, group of allies, the disciples of John the Baptist and the Pharisees. I mean, what did John call the Pharisees when, 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 he, when they came out to see his baptisms, see him baptizing. They, they go to the Jordan to see, to watch John baptize. What did John say to them? Do you remember? Brood of vipers. I mean, it's, 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 you kind of wait for some preacher to use that in an invitation. I mean, maybe an old evangelist would do it, you know. But he said, everybody stand. We're going to sing. You brood of vipers needs to come and repent. You know, so, so John the Baptist is no friend of the Pharisees. I mean, they despise him as much as they do Jesus. It's kind of interesting that John's disciples come. Why, did, why doesn't John come? I mean, that's a good, like, history refresher question. Why doesn't John himself go to Jesus and ask him, why do my disciples fast, but yours don't? It's a real easy... He's in prison. 
Back in, back in Matthew 4, 12, it said, when Jesus heard that John was in prison, he left Judea and went into Galilee. So John's in prison. His disciples, they should be fasting in, in one sense, but because fasting was, was for penance, for, uh, for repentance, for grieving and, and mourning. And here, this one they've been following and studying under, he's in prison. Herod has, has imprisoned him. So, so perhaps that was a good time for them to be fasting. So, so they come to Jesus as he's, uh, he, he's, he's either still at Peter's house, I mean Matthew's house, or, or he's left, or maybe it's the next day. We don't get it, the exact time period of when it happens. And, and, and they ask him, we fast, the, the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast. You kind of get the idea that fasting was important. And, and, and it was in first century Israel. But where does the idea of fasting come from, or the commandment to fast? Is, is it like one of the Ten Commandments? Is it, is it part of the law? How many fasts did the Mosaic law require? Okay, I would have failed this too, but somebody pointed out and I looked it up and said, okay, sure enough. Leviticus 16, on the Day of Atonement, they were to fast, but no other fasts were designated in the, the Mosaic Law. But yet by the, by the first century, and, and fasting was not bad. Remember, Esther called a fast. You know, Mordecai said, you got to go into the, to the king. And, and who knows if, you, if you've not achieved this position for such a time as this. Daniel fasted. So, so fasting was not bad, but it was a, a, in, a, in a time of, of repentance in Daniel's case, in, in, in mourning, in, in Esther's case, and in, in wanting to, to seek the Lord, to put aside all other things and concentrate only on prayer. By now, the, the, uh, the Pharisees, they say, fasted two days a week on Thursdays and on Mondays. Now, the reason they picked those two days were because, according to tradition, Moses went up on Mount Sinai on Thursday, and he came back down on Monday. Now, nowhere is that. That was just the tradition. And, and so they fasted on, on those two days. So the, the first thing they do is, is they come to, to Jesus, and they point out what they are doing. Look at us. We fast. The, the, the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast. You ever get kind of leery or, or, well, I don't, it may, it's probably just me, but when somebody starts telling you what they do in, in a spiritual sense, sometimes you, you, it's like, oh, wow, I hadn't thought about that. But other times it's like, okay, what am I supposed to get out of this? How, how is this edifying to me? They're, they're pointing out, look how spiritual we are. And, and you guys are, you know, you're, 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 you're not doing it. You're, you're just not up to our level. They, they weren't there, or maybe they were, because we can be in, in, in a, a church service or uh, 
you know, think back to when you were in school. You could be there. I remember um, when, when and, and this is probably a really bad t- illustration, but um, I went to seminary one year, and, and I took, I had taken Greek at Baylor, and I took Greek in seminary, and I'm sitting right next to John Talbert. And, and, and John, you know, we get our papers back and our tests back and look over and, you know, A, A plus. We're sitting right next to each other, and John's getting A's. Okay, I'm not getting A's. I'm not getting B's, and we'll leave it at that. You know, so, so you, can be, you can be somewhere and just not get all of it, but they, you want to hope they weren't there in, in the Sermon on the Mount because what had Jesus told the disciples about fasting? We need to go back and review. When you fast, when you fast, so he's kind of assuming that they will fast, don't fast like the Pharisees, you know, who tear their clothes, put ashes on their head, walk around, woe is me, look at me, I'm so spiritual, I'm fasting. Don't let anybody know you're fasting. So in a sense, they're, they're assuming that John's disciples aren't, Jesus' disciples aren't fasting because they're not doing it in the same manner that the Pharisees did in, in, a, in an outward appearance of their, of their ritual and their spirituality. Jesus answers them, and, it, and it's, not, it, it's not really a rebuke, you know, like, like he might have rebuked the, 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 the Pharisees or the scribes. You know, when the Pharisees and scribes say, why do you eat with sinners and tax collectors? He said, those who are well don't need to go to a physician. But, 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 but Jesus, in replying to, uh, to, to, to John's disciples, he, he, he gives two, no, he gives three sort of, sort of illustrations. He said, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? And, and weddings were big deals. In, weddings are big deals now. I saw a deal on TV yesterday where, you know, to save money, you can buy, the, it's a faux cake. It's a fake cake decorated to, you know, to, just to the hilt. But it's made out of styrofoam. And, and they put one little piece of real cake in there. So when they get up there and they cut it, you know, they know where to cut. And they pull out this real cake and they share it. And everybody's like, ah. Oh. This fake cake costs 350 bucks for some styrofoam with, you know, some, some icing on it. They said, well, it saved us hundreds and hundreds of, of dollars. And, and I know from experience that, yes, it did. You know, and then they go to Walmart's and they buy this sheath cake and they put it in the back and they cut it and they, they send it out. It's like, well, how did they get these square pieces out of a, a layered cake? But, you know, by then nobody really cares. But weddings were important then. And, and, and the bride and groom, in fact, they would, they would be king and queen and they would even call them that for, for a week. And, and, and the party would go on. And so Jesus is using an illustration that they totally understand. When the bridegroom is here, the wedding guests don't, don't fast. Any significance to Jesus comparing himself? He's saying, I'm here. I'm like the bridegroom. And at the wedding party, when the bridegroom is there, the, the, the bridal party, they don't fast. They celebrate 
in, in Israel, in, in Jeremiah 31, 31, where, and, and, and that kind of applies to the, to the patch and the, and the, and the wineskin, God tells through Jeremiah that, that God is the bridegroom of Israel. So if they're really listening and paying attention, it, it's, it's another illustration indication, another announcement where Jesus is saying, God is the bridegroom of Israel. I'm the bridegroom. God is here. It's him declaring that he is God. I think, I think it went, I don't know if it went over their heads, if they just, if they just ignored it. They, they, they may have missed it completely, but it's there. He's saying, I am God. Matthew is writing to a, a, a Jewish audience to prove that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah, that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God. And so, so decades later, when, when he's compiled this, this book and, and it's been distributed and churches have, have read it and even non-believers have read it. It's like he's saying he's the bridegroom of Israel. And, and in fact, he is. And then he goes on and he, he, even, he even sort of predicts his death. He says, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. Right now, I'm with the bride. I'm, I'm with my people. They, they don't need to fast. They don't need to mourn. They need to celebrate. But I will be taken away. And, and those first three days that he's taken away, it was indeed a, a severe mourning when he's laying in the tomb and they think, oh no, we've just wasted all this time. What happened? How could this happen? But then on that Sunday morning when he's raised from the dead and then it's time to celebrate again, now he's been taken and ascended after 40 days in back to heaven that, yes, there will be those times when, when they would fast. They fast and, and for repentance, but also for come now, Lord Jesus. You know, you've, you've gone back, but we look forward to when you return again and there will be no more fasting then. It will be the, the feast at, at the Messianic banquet when he gathers all, all his children. So, he's, so he tells them, I am God, I'm the bridegroom, but he tells them kind of, kind of cloaked there in a sense that the bridegroom's going to be taken away. You know, they don't expect Jesus to, to, to die. If this is a year into his ministry and in two more years, I mean, he's, he's, he's a young man. They, they don't expect him to, 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 to die so quickly. But, he, but he's telling them the bridegroom is going to be taken away. And then he, then he adds two more, uh, some, some call them parables, some just illustrations. He says, nobody puts a piece of new cloth new unshrunk cloth or unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch tears away from the garment and the tear and a worse tear is made. You know, maybe patches on garments aren't uh, good illustrations in 2022 because you buy clothes or some people buy clothes that they, they just they have holes all in them. These jeans that are shredded. You know, but, but then, and, and I know for a lot of people here growing up that you had patches on your, on your, you know, your clothes. 
And, and, and you may still, if, if you have this favorite shirt or pair of pants and say, I really don't want, can you fix that for me? And, 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 and you get your, your wife or maybe your husband. Your husband, you know, some guys can sew. Or maybe take it to the clean and, and, they, and they patch it. And it, but it would be a, 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 a good illustration in, in those days of, yeah, you don't put this new unshrunk cloth on cloth that's already been shrunk. Because what's going to happen? Well, you're going to wash it. The old cloth's not going to shrink. The new cloth is, and it's going to rip it. You're going to have a bigger hole than you had before. And he said the same thing with, with, with wine. You don't put new wine into old wineskins. And in those days, they didn't have bottled wine. It was in, in, uh, in, in, in skins, either goat skin or sheep skin. And, and I read one guy, he was talking about, well, it's like the, the, the neck. And think about a goat's neck or, you know, that it's, that's where they, that's the part of the goat hide, the sheep hide that they got the wineskin from, what was the neck. And, and on down. So, so what happens? You put your, you make your wine and you, and you put it in there and during the process of fermentation, it, it, it expands. These gases are, are given out. And so, you know, once the wine is, is, is done, that, that skin is stretched out and, you know, maybe bursting at the seams. You, you would have to be pretty, I don't know how they did that, sew it and, and it not leak, but Somehow somebody did. So you don't put new wine into old wineskins. You don't put this wine that's going to ferment and, and, and gas off and expand into this skin that's already expanded. Why? Because it's going to burst, you know, just like a balloon. You can only blow up a balloon so much. You know, you may have learned that as, as a little kid. You get a balloon, you blow it up, blow it up, blow it up, and all of a sudden, pow! Right, there goes my balloon. And, and no little kid's ever happy when that happens. That, that this wineskin is going to burst. What happens to the wine when the wineskin bursts? It's wasted. There, there, there's a, 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 a picture of just the waste that happens by putting new wine in an old wineskin. But you put new wine in, in a fresh wine skin. You put, uh, uh, you know, you, you patch an, an old cloth with an old cloth to, to patch old clothing. What, what is he saying? Why are these illustrations, parables that, that Jesus chooses? to illustrate why the disciples, his disciples, are not fasting. You know, the, the, the first one was, was kind of easy. The bridegroom is there. It's not a, a time of mourning. But later, when the bridegroom is taken away, it, it will be a time of mourning. And we see a couple of instances in the book of Acts where, where the disciples fast. And, and, and pray. But, but now is not that time. But, but how is the illustration of the wineskin and the patch 
how does that apply back to whether they're, they're, they're fasting? Why are, they, why are they not fasting? We're fasting, but they're not fasting. Grace versus the law. The law is the old. And the law could not save anyone. The only thing that could save anyone is, is, is Jesus himself. And he's saying, and he goes, Jeremiah 31, 31, when, when God promised Israel, when they're in exile, that he's going to make a new covenant with his people. And, and he's going to write on their hearts Jesus came not to abolish the old, but to fulfill the old. And that fulfillment is this new covenant that God is, is giving Israel, but not just Israel, but all who would believe, all nations. So he's saying, you, you can't, don't put this new, this new covenant that God is, is creating. Don't try to patch the old covenant with it. I didn't come to patch the old covenant. That, that, the, that the law could not save anyone. It could only point out their sin. Only that perfect sacrifice could atone and, and, and save us from our sin. And he's saying that, that, that old is worn out. And, and as a matter of fact, the, the word that he uses, uh, paleos, means worn out. That, that it's worn out. It's pointed people to God, but, but the new... And he uses two different words for new. One is neos, and it means recent in time. It has just come, but the other one that he uses, kainos, it means it's, it's a new kind. He's, he's bringing this new covenant, a, a new type of covenant that's going to replace the old. The old isn't abolished, but, but Jesus has fulfilled the new. And, and just as you wouldn't put old... And, a new patch on an old cloth or new wine in an old wineskin, you, you have to receive this new. Luke, in, in his gospel, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record this event. Matthew, in his gospel, I mean, Luke, in, in, in his gospel, it's uh, chapter 5. He, he, he adds one more illustration that, that Jesus uses. Luke 5, 39, he says, No one after drinking old wine does, desires new wine, for he says the old is good. And, it, and it's kind of an illustration of how the Jewish peoples, particularly the leaders, it's like, we don't want something new. We have the old. It's, 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 been, it's been sitting on the shelf for 1,500 years since God gave the law to Moses. It's, it's vintage, just, you know, the, the best wine. It says no one wants old, new wine. They want the old. Jesus is saying the new is better. That it's, that it's, that it's the new wine that, that can truly save and, 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 and bring about salvation. When, when John was baptizing and, and his disciples were asking him, this is in, in, in John 3, around 29, his disciples were, were questioning him about ritual washing and they say, you remember the one who, who came uh, with us to, on the other side of the Jordan? 
and you said, there's coming one whose, whose shoes, whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And, and, and John then goes, and, and, and they said, what, what about him? And John goes on. Uh, it's, it's in John 3, uh, verse 28. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this time of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. That, that John had told his disciples that, that I'm just a friend of the bridegroom. But, but the bridegroom is coming and I shall decrease so that, so that he can, can increase. And Jesus now is talking to those same disciples. John is in prison. He is very much decreasing. Herod is going to have him beheaded in just a matter of weeks or months. And Jesus tells those disciples who are they're wanting to put a patch on old things. And he's saying, no, I'm, I'm not a patch. I, I come to, to, to bring this new covenant that God promised 600 years ago to, that he promised to, to Jeremiah. And he said, it's, it's, you can't put new wine into an old skin. That, that not, not that Jesus is, is abolishing the law, but that he's, he's fulfilling the law. He, he's fulfilling all the things that, that God had, had planned. They want to hold those old rituals, those, those old regulations that would not satisfy the, the need for a perfect sacrifice. It, it, it's it's, it's kind of, in one sense, it's kind of difficult to, to, on this side of the empty tomb, to, to, to apply it and to, and to say, okay, how do we do that? But do we try to hold on to rituals that really may not be part of God's true plan. The easy one in our church society, not just, uh, not, not just First Baptist Church in Grandview, but the easy one in, say, say maybe the, 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 the 21st century, is, well, it's easy for me, so it's got to be easy for everybody because I'm slow, music and, and, and the style of, uh, of worship that, that we can say, well, you have to do it this way. You, you have to, and it can be either people who, uh, who, who prefer traditional or it can be people who prefer contemporary. It's like, no, it, it has to be this way. And, and, and we can get ourselves bent out of shape and we're not really focusing on, well, who are we here for? Who are we really worshiping? But, 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 but one that was maybe more, um, I really haven't heard it recently, but I know growing up and being, uh, when, when, when I was younger and, and, and in discipleship, teaching or, or, or programs and say, well, you need to have a quiet time. But you got to have it the first thing in the morning. 
And if you're not doing it the first thing in the morning, then you're just not doing it right. I, I mean, I, I, I literally heard that. It's like, no, yeah, you need to have a quiet time, but it doesn't matter if it's at 5 a.m. or 5 p.m. or any time in between, either, either way that it's time spent with God. Are there other things that we do that, that we're trying to put this patch on what God's new covenant really is all about? Maybe certain, you know, rules and, and, and regulations. We, we look at other people and say, why are they eating with tax collectors? Why are they eating with sinners? You know? And yet Jesus said, I came. You don't go to a physician if you're well, but if you're, it, you know, only those who are sick. So how else can we apply this passage. Is it applicable or is it just, well, that was a nice, neat historical event that happened when Jesus was, was living and walking among men, but, but now he's, he's ascended to heaven. And it, you know, just so we see the things that they went through, it really doesn't matter to us. Is there any other, anything else that, that we can glean from it? or that we can apply to our lives. And I know I didn't get the only ones. I always see it as the way they would think back then, if this guy was the Messiah, he's, he's going to save us from this persecution we're going through right now in this finite world. And do we think like that now? I think sometimes we <laughs> we want him to save us now from this as bad as things are are getting. Thinking about our salvation. Mm-hmm. That they look to him just for the the physical that they could get, not the the long term. What about the 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 dissension? That's, it's, it's there. It was there when, when the Pharisees saw Jesus eating with the tax collectors. And, and now Matthew Henry said, you know, you can't help but think that the Pharisees instigated this with the disciples of John. They're like, hey, look, we, we fast and y'all fast, but these guys, they don't fast. What's up? And that they sent... You know, it's like the Pharisees kind of prodding the disciples of John and sending him, sending them to, to, to Jesus and saying, why don't your disciples fast? And, and, and just, you know, dissension between Christians. But do they go directly to? They didn't go directly to, to Jesus when he was eating with the sinners. They, they go to his disciples, but they're complaining about Jesus. And, and, and here they, they, they're complaining about the disciples, but they go to Jesus. That, that dissension, this, this little backbiting or, uh, or grumbling can come from, from sources that maybe they're really not uh, what you expected or, wh or where you would expect it to, to, to come. He's saying now we celebrate 
because the bridegroom is here. We sort of did that in a sense, uh, either did or, or you will do in, in, in worship today with the Lord's Supper. That, that it's, it's, it's remembering Jesus' sacrifice, his, his body being, being broken, his, his blood being, uh, being, being poured out. And that, that Paul there in, in 1 Corinthians 11, 18, well, eleven twenty six. as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. That it's, that it's like we're, we're, we're not fasting. It's not a literal feast, but it's, it's a celebration where we're proclaiming that, that, that Christ died but that he's coming again. And I know we all, as Baptists, we only do it once a quarter, you know, but it's, it's a, 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 a reminder, do this in, in remembrance of me. And he says, it's the cup of the new covenant in my blood that, that Jesus came to fulfill the old covenant, but to initiate this, this new covenant, this new promise of, of God. We'll start in verse 18 next week. A, you know, sandwiched in between all of these miracles, you, you have these, those, those two events, Jesus calling Matthew, which probably to Matthew was a miracle. And, and, and then uh, these, uh, these disciples of John and, and the Pharisees coming and, and questioning what he's doing. But, but we look at even a, a greater miracle next week there in, in verse 18. Well, let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you that, that in, in, indeed the, the bridegroom has come and that he sacrificed his life that he might provide salvation, provide a, a, a way for any who would believe it to, to be saved. God, may we look to Jesus and, and him alone. God, may we be faithful to to follow his teachings and not a ritual that, that somehow we've, we've come up with through the, the years of the church. God, just give us hearts and desires to be faithful to your word, to be known as, as people of your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.